Last week we started a talk around voices, and, uh, and I was really, really blessed. I have gotten so much positive feedback. Uh, I always get feedback. It's just not always positive. But I got, I got so much positive feedback uh, around the message last week, and these are really glaring. So, ah, I can see you now. This is great. Uh, so much positive feedback over the, uh, about the message last week, and uh, really, really had an opportunity um, to speak a timely word, and that's good. Uh, you know, we, as communicators, we do our best to discern what we feel God's speaking to us and trying to, some of the times, our, our, fee, our feeble attempt uh, to communicate to you uh, what we feel the Lord imparting to us and um, really just appreciate all the encouragement. Um, if, if you haven't figured this out by now, but we have an amazing church. Uh, and, and us, you are the reason why the church is amazing. You're beautiful, gracious, generous people. Uh, I'm honored to be able to serve you as your campus pastor, and you deserve a round of applause tonight. So I'm going to clap for you. You don't clap, I'm clapping for you tonight. You guys are awesome. Love you so much. Let's pray, and then we're going to see where we go. Uh, I'm about 50% sure what I'm going to say, so it's going to be great. Father, we thank you so much for your grace. We believe that you are the author of grace and the giver of life and everything that is good. And I believe tonight, Father, that as we continue along this topic of voices, that you, by your Holy Spirit, are going to do a work of empowering our voice and emboldening the voice that you've placed on the inside of us to see things shift in the world around us. I thank you, Father, for continuing to be our strength Thank you that you have never given up on us and you never will. Thank you, Jesus, for being made manifest in this place tonight as we look to you, as we listen for your voice, as we move into a place of being more and more in sync with your heartbeat, God. I thank you for peace being made manifest in the room tonight. I thank you for storms being quieted. And I thank you, Father, that people that are in the midst of a fight would experience shelter from the storm tonight so that they're able to go forth from this place and re-engage in that particular area. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Uh, last week, I got to talk to you a little bit about um, the voice of the shepherd and the voice of the stranger out of John, the Gospel of John chapter 10. And Jesus said that his sheep, how many of you believe that you're one of the Lord's sheep? Nobody believes they're a goat, right? Okay. If you're a goat, we'll get you saved at the end of this thing. And goat in this context is not the greatest of all time, okay? So goat is not a good thing in this context, in a biblical context. Um, but we talked about how we, being the sheep, the followers of Jesus, that we need to uh, constantly be on the alert in regards to a stranger's voice, that there's a variety of voices around us, voices from our past, voices that are connected to our current struggle, our, our current temptation, uh, whatever it might be, and even voices of fear that broadcast worry in regards to the future and where our lives might be going. And we need to learn how to silence those voices and re-engage with the voice of truth who is Jesus. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to the message last week, you can access that through the app or through uh, Victory Life Church Durant podcast, which is now on Google Play as well as iTunes. So all of you Android users, we finally felt sorry for you and we let you have access to it on Google Play. I know, oh, it's so sad, but it's the truth. I love you too much to lie to you. So uh, you, need, you need to get an iPhone and change your life. Okay, so Here's the thing uh, that I want to tell you. Oh, there's a little hair there. Sorry about that. Um, I want to talk to you tonight specifically about your voice and what the purpose of your voice is. All of you have a voice, and your voice is needed in this hour more than ever. All of you have a voice, and your voice is not only needed in this hour but your voice is actually being craved by the people around you. There's this interesting thing that we see in the scriptures, in the book of James. James is the brother of Jesus, and he makes some 
he makes some really tough, some really hard statements in regards to our words and in reference to our tongue. And he talks about this tongue that we all have, which is ah, this tongue. And he's talking about that, um, that there's so many things in life that can be controlled. There's so many things in life that even from in the animal kingdom, we can tame animals. And he's kind of presenting this question on who's able to tame the tongue. That it's our tongue and our voice will lift up praise to God and then later on in that day it will release curses against our neighbor and he says that there's something wrong with this picture there's something wrong with our voice being used to give glory to God and then that same voice being used to bring down somebody else or to cut, accuse, slander, gossip and and he's making this case that as believers we need to be engaged in this real this real struggle of learning how to step into really what I see as, as self-control. And, and the only way we get self-control is not by willing it more, but actually by being in relationship and in partnership with the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, is self-control? It's the Holy Spirit that gifts us the ability out of God's grace to actually be able to possess our vessels with honor and not be led by our emotions and and all the little things that aggravate us and those kinds of things. How many of you know that that's true, but that's a progressive journey that you're probably still in the middle of, same way that I am, right? And I I, I get that, and what I really want to do tonight is I want us to be able to step into this place of, of resolve. Um, there's a lot in my heart tonight that is very fresh and, and is not uh, very polished, so you're going to have to bear with me. But I have this word stirring in me tonight in regards to our voice, and I really want to, for a second here, paint a picture to you uh, in regards to how your voice works in the natural, okay? So everybody can hear me talking right now, right? Okay. The reason that you can hear me talk if we were to break that down is actually because there's something invisible in the room that's air, wind. I breathe some in, I just breathe some out. Whenever I take that air that's inside of me, that invisible thing, and I allow it, and I allow it to rise up in me, that air, that, that wind, actually comes up through my windpipe and vibrates my vocal cords and gives the ability now for sound to be produced. There's something inside of me that is invisible, air, even though it's all around us, it's around us, it's in us, but I actually have to partner with that air, that invisible thing, allow it to rise up in me, and through my will now, force that thing out of me, but there's something physically in the way that we're built as human beings that partners with that air for sound to be released. And I'm able to take something that's invisible and I'm able to bring it through my thoughts and now through my physical body into something that is now getting on the inside of you. Whenever I say this phrase, I want you to pay attention to what happens, okay? A pickup truck. A red pickup truck. A red pickup truck with a blown out tire. How many of you see the red pickup truck? The red pickup truck with the blown out tire, all right? There's something in my mind that I'm seeing that you can't see, but whenever I make a decision to take that thing that's invisible and communicate it with my voice, it now becomes tangible and able to be seen in your life. Are you following me? I want to tell you that the book of Hebrews says that everything that's visible is made from that which is invisible. Everything that is seen has been made from that which is unseen. And I've told you this before, but I'll tell you again for the sake of review, that the nature of the Spirit and the things of the Spirit and the realm of the Spirit in the kingdom of light and in the kingdom of darkness is that both realms are constantly seeking avenues through which they can materialize themselves. The nature of the spirit, the nature of the invisible. If you look up the word spirit in your concordance, in your scripture, and you get a biblical concordance and you do a word study and you look up the word spirit, in the Greek you're going to get the word uh, ruach, which is breath, or wind. And in the Greek, you're going to get the word pneuma, which is the exact same thing. 
when we talk about spirit, we're actually talking about breath or wind. Now we know that that connects to a much bigger thing than just this breath and this wind that's around us. We know that it connects to spiritual entities in the Holy Spirit and in demonic powers and forces in the world. But what I'm trying to get at is, is that there's something invisible around you constantly that you have the ability to partner with, interact with, and release into real time in your day-to-day. The same way that it's a prophetic picture of me taking the air around me that you cannot see, me partnering with it in my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions, thinking about a red truck, now getting my body involved, forcing that wind up out of me, vibrates my vocal cords, and I now release something to you that now has just gotten on the inside of you. The picture of the red pickup truck. Is everybody with me? Okay. I want to tell you that there's things that God, in his voice, his speaking voice, that God is releasing in the room right now, God's releasing in your quiet time with him, God's releasing in your car ride, God's releasing in the middle of your workplace, that's invisible around you. And specifically, if you're a child of God, it's invisible within you because how many of you know that whenever we follow Jesus, this is where God comes to dwell is on the inside of us. In the same way that there's wind on the inside of me in the natural, that when I partner with that with my soul, which is my mind, my will, and my emotions, and with my body, I can produce something now that gets into the room. It gets out into the air It now is able to get on the inside of you. God on the inside of you has things that he's speaking and that he's doing that he needs your cooperation to see released into the earth and into the lives of other people. In the same way that the enemy is working in the earth today to find people that will partner with his voice, his wind, his breath, his spirit, partner with their soul and their body to release now what he wants into the world so that what originated in his realm of darkness can now get inside of your container or somebody else's container, okay? He didn't invent that. He just has counterfeited it and copycatted it. The devil's not creative at all. He looks at the way that God does things and then he finds a way because his delight is, our delight as children of God is to bring praise to God and glory to him as a rebellious Uh, fallen angel, the enemy has this uh, sick thing that he wants to do in regards to taking the good things that God's created and perverting them and twisting them and saying, I'll use your platform for doing ministry, but I'll use it for destruction instead of for healing and restoration. Are you following me? The beautiful thing is, is that we get to choose as human beings which one of those voices we're going to allow to instruct us and use us to release their agendas into the earth. We have an ability to say that we are going to leverage our voice, our free will, the power that's on the inside of us, the ability that's on the inside of us from God to not partner with a culture that's full of lies, but to speak the truth even if your voice shakes. So there should be a picture on the screen coming up soon. That's a quote of what I just said. My wife posted this a while back. It really hit me whenever I first saw it and I had to do some some digging on her Instagram account to find it, but I found it. And this is really where this thought originated on the inside of me is whenever I had seen this picture several years ago and it came back up in my heart as I was praying for a message to bring you guys tonight. That the people of God in the day and age that we're living in are being inundated with voices. We're being inundated with things from the invisible realm around us. And what we choose to partner with in this day and age really does matter. And what we choose to allow to get on the inside of us really does matter. And I feel tonight that there has to be this resolution in the room. There has to be this this tenacity from the Holy Spirit that I feel needs to rise up in many of the hearts of the people here tonight to make a decision to no longer allow your voice to be hijacked and harnessed for the devil's principles, tactics, and agendas. 
to make a decision tonight that I'm going to partner with the truth and I make a decision tonight for my voice to be a voice of truth in the midst of the culture and to make a decision tonight that I'm going to release a voice of truth even if my voice shakes. And the reason why I think that's so important is because if you look at these examples that we have from the scripture, it's amazing to see the breakthrough that happens, the demonstration of God's power that happens whenever people make a decision that even if it kills them, they're going to remain in a place of only giving God access to their voice. I believe that the culture is saturated with intellectualism. And I believe that the culture today doesn't need better explanations in regards to who God is and what God's about. I feel like so much of the church has really just gotten addicted to hearing themselves talk instead of allowing themselves to be a mouthpiece for God to talk. And I believe that what the culture is in desperate need of today is for a company of people to make a decision to not just talk about things, but to be able to demonstrate the things that we believe. And part of the way that we do that is by making a decision to speak truth. As I was praying and I was preparing, I immediately had the uh, story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come up in my heart. And it's a beautiful thing whenever you go and you look at this passage. And it's really easy on this side of that event in history to read that and allow it to be almost fairy tale. It's, it's really interesting that I think uh, as Christians we can read, especially things that have happened from an Old Testament perspective. And because we've called them Bible stories for so long, there's almost this thing that happens in our mind that we think that they're just like a fable or like instead of an actual historical event that took place. And when you think about this thing with Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and this pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar, who has created this uh, golden image to be worshiped, to be God in the culture, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had this decision to make in regards to what was gonna come out of their mouth. And the king is putting this pressure on them and I'm here to tell you today that Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 says that the devil is the prince of the power of the air. The devil seeks to control the air around people so that he can actually get inside of them so that they will release, they will manifest an all, a, a, a voice that's contrary to the things of God. King Nebuchadnezzar was under demonic influence. How many of you believe that? King Nebuchadnezzar had this whispering, this voice that came to him. And sometimes the voice comes to us just in our own head. Sometimes this demonic, deluded voice comes to us through people. You know that there's people in your life that the Holy Spirit is using to encourage you, to, to direct you, to give you wise counsel. But there's also people in your life that the devil is using to do the exact opposite. And the people of God have to get good about discerning voices so that they know how to be able to preserve healthy relationships and sever unhealthy ones. But it's a different talk for a different, different day. So King Nebuchadnezzar has this thought, anything that's visible started off as invisible. Anything that's ever been built started off as this invisible reality inside of somebody's mind. So Nebuchadnezzar has this idea. He has this voice that speaks to him if you will, to build this golden statue and to have the whole nation bow down to it and worship it. The devil really doesn't care what you worship as long as it's not God. That's, that, that's really the tactic. It didn't have to be a golden representation of Satan. Satan just wants to get the attention off of God and onto anything else. All right. So Nebuchadnezzar has this thought and it becomes this thing that his will gets into cooperation with. And he actually speaks forth his plan of what he's wanting to do. And in that moment, things begin being enacted. The people go to work. They build this thing. They melt the gold. They get it all done. And because this thought was bigger than just actually getting it built, it now is to get an entire nation and an entire people to worship this. There's three guys 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that make a decision that they're not going to bow down to this thing. They made a decision to speak the truth even if their voice shakes. They made a decision that I see and discern what's going on in the culture. And no matter what happens, what's going on in there, I'm not going to allow to get in here. So many Christians end up bending their knee to inferior realities, inferior situations, inferior gods, if you will, because we allow the culture around us to shape us more than the Christ within us. And that has to change. There has to be this resolute thing that happens in the people of God. And I know no better time than before we go into a season of Jubilee than to draw a line in the sand and say that just because this plan has been enacted across the generations of my family, it doesn't have to find its way into me. Just, just because my last name is this and we've been immersed in this thought pattern for forever, I can make a decision to turn that thing through the power of the Holy Spirit, paying attention to what's built up on the inside of me, which is the very breath of God, and speak the truth even if my voice shakes. I believe that many of us are coming into a critical hour in regards to our personal walks with the Lord, our families. There's something significant about this jubilee for us as a body. There's, there, there's something in the air that if you're paying attention, you can feel. I, there, there's things that are, are, that, that are like almost we're on the cusp of some real breakthrough in some particular areas. And, and, and I have to spell that out individually because I know that means different things to different people. But I just could not get away from today this stirring in my heart to speak something tonight to encourage us and to motivate us to really put our foot down and say that as a people going into this week-long celebration of everything that God's doing, that we're going to speak the truth even if our voice shakes. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are standing when everybody else is bowing. And I believe that the time now is. <laughs> the time now is. And it will be more every day that in the culture that we live in, as noticeable as it was that there were millions bowing and three standing, I believe that we're in a time in an hour where the church of Jesus Christ will be that noticeable as well. And, here, and here's the thing about it, guys. You don't get to a place <laughs> of saying what Shadrach, Sat, Shadrach, I'm just saying Rack, Shack, and Benny. Because I like veggie tales, you know? You know that one? The bunny, the bunny. Okay. We're not going to sing that song tonight. In Jesus' name. We rebuke that chocolate bunny, that demonic bunny. Here's the newsflash. Chocolate bunnies aren't that good anyway. Okay? That's the truth. There's a lot better things than chocolate bunnies to be tempted with. I won't get into that. That's a pitfall for me. Stay out of the food. Stay up. Don't talk about food, Zach. Come back. Come back. Come back. So Rack Shack and Benny, it's noticeable. I'm telling you this, guys, that there's a day and a time coming that it's going to be that noticeable in our culture of who's bowing and who's standing. And you don't get to a place of standing whenever they say, if you don't do this, we're going to put you and your family into this furnace. You don't get to that place whenever every single day in 15 different ways you're silently bowing your knee and compromising to the culture, to the voice of the enemy, to discouragement. I love the word that Pastor Lee brought a couple weeks ago. He said, the home, your personal home, is a boot camp for ministry. And I can tell you this, there's so many Christians that think that this thing in regards to being in the church of Jesus Christ is a cruise ship. It's not a cruise ship. It's a battleship. It's not a cruise ship. So many people think that they can go home, they can come to church, they can raise their hands, they can pray, they can say, oh, that's a great word, pastor. And they can worship like heaven in here and then go home and live like the devil. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. Because there could be times that we face in our lives, all of us, whenever it's a lot more clear than it is today about who's standing and who's bowing. 
There's a decision that has to be made in the everyday. There's a decision that has to be made in regards to our homes, our families. Let me tell you this. It's not God's plan and it's not his best for our lives to be able to take stands of faith in this building and then go home and live on cruise control. It's not God's plan for our lives to be able to live full of faith when we're here with each other, but then crumple under every peer pressure imaginable when we're in the workplace. Something has to happen in the church in America, I haven't been given authority at this time in my life to speak to the church of another country or in another nation. God right now has given me the platform here. So I'm gonna devote my time to speak to the church in America. And I can tell you this, this customized idea of Christianity that we have will not serve us in the midst of a time that if you don't bow, you go into the furnace. It doesn't work. You don't get to customize Christianity. I can tell you why you don't end up bowing to the culture. You don't end up bowing to the voice of discouragement. You don't end up bowing to the voice of temptation in your personal life, in your personal walk day to day. It only happens whenever you've already made a decision to only bow your knee to the Lord Jesus. Because it's impossible for me to bow to anything else whenever I've already said, I only bow my knee to Jesus. Shadrach and Meshach had the ability to stand because they had already bowed in their heart before the Lord. And as Hebrew children, it's something that they did multiple times a day. It's something they did at the call to prayer at specific intervals, intervals throughout the day. It's something they did by getting the law, getting the ordinances of God deep into their heart. It's something they actually lived. Here's the thing. So many Christians in this emotional hype that we live in as the church sometimes want to talk about dying for Jesus. But I'll tell you this, you'll never be able to die for Jesus if you don't make a decision to live for him. It doesn't work that way. We have to become soberly minded tonight about this voice that God's put on the inside of us and what it has the capacity to do. You don't get to Shadrach and Meshach's response of speaking the truth even if your voice shakes unless you've made a decision to every single day, in every single way, partner with truth, renounce lies, and exercise the authority that you have as a child of God. It's in the small decisions that's made day in and day out. One, one particular minister that I look up to and that I really enjoy receiving from he tells a story about going to a gas station and uh, going inside after he fills up the car to pay for some uh, bubble gum. And, you know, the bubble gum is just this, the single wrap, you know, double bubble stuff. And it's like, you know, 25 cents or whatever. So he gives them the money. And, uh, and, they, and after he gives them the money, the person behind the counter doesn't know how to get count back change. And he gives them like a dime too much. And, uh, and he doesn't realize it till he gets in his car because he took the change, put it in his pocket, got in the car and was driving the road. He took out the change. He saw that based upon the pieces that he bought, it was a dime too much. So he said, I went back the next day and when I went in, I was already too far away, but I was driving back through there on the next day. I went in and I said, hey, uh, yesterday I came in and you, I did this and you actually gave me back a dime too much and I'm here to return that to you. And he said, the guy behind the counter said, I have no idea what to do. I need to call the manager. So they called the manager out of the back office. He comes out and he says, what's the problem? And he tells him, he says, well, here's the thing. You gave me a dime too much. I left, didn't realize it until I got home and I came back and I'm here to give you your dime now. And the manager said, no, just keep it. And he said, no, no, you don't understand. He said, I have to give you what belongs to you if I want God to give me what belongs to me. But so often in our life, in little small ways, because it never starts off as a big thing. It's always a small thing. In small ways, we make decisions to bow our knees to things. And let me tell you, this isn't, you got to be careful whenever you start talking this way, especially to people that understand grace. Because people that understand grace don't always understand grace correctly. 
They think they have an understanding of grace. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Folks, grace was never given to you, all right, for you to be empowered to sin. Grace was given to you to be empowered to live free of the power of sin. To not have to bow your knee to it. And there's a work that has to be done on the inside of us with a daily decision of what spirit we're going to allow to access us, how our will is going to interact with that, and what we're going to do. The speaking voice correlates to action. Faithful with little, ruler over much. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we get to see their highlight reel because, let's face it, that's what makes the book is the highlight reel. But what we don't get to see is their whole story. But what we can infer about someone like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is that they had made a daily decision to speak the truth even if their voice shook and they had postured themselves in such a place internally that whenever now the whole culture, everybody's dropping like flies around them, this is their response. We will never... I love that. We will never... Bow to that image. Even if you throw us into that furnace. Because the God that we serve is able to deliver us. This is my favorite part. That's, I, every charismatic in the house, that's where you get excited is right there. <laughs> Praise God, he'll save us from the fire. Yes, Lord, we're gonna walk through things and not even smell like smoke every service. That's when we all get excited. I love that. But let me tell you, can I be honest with you? A lot of times we hype ourselves up to avoid our doubt. So let me tell you what real faith looks like. I'm about, to, I'm about to really get excited. And I have to calm down. Let me tell you what real faith looks like. Let me tell you what real allegiance to Jesus Christ looks like. Let me tell you what real sold-out relationship and a deep-seated romance, passionate love, connectivity with the Lord looks like. Is that ultimately you And what happens to you is not the thing that matters. What matters is that even with a dying breath, people get to hear the truth of who God is. This is what they say. So if you responded, you got excited, said our God's able to save us from the fire, it's because you know the story. He's going to do it. But just calm down for a second. (laughs) Let me tell you what real faith looks like. Let me tell you what real faith looks like. This is what they said. The God that we serve is able to save us from the fire, comma. Are you ready? But even if he doesn't, where's that in the church? Where's that in the church? I can tell you where it is. It's right here. But you got to make a choice to, do, to release it. Even if he doesn't, we will never bow. I love, I love what, I, I love what uh, a minister by the name of uh, Todd White says. This is what he says. He said, let me tell you what happens when you put people that are already on fire into the fire. He said, Nothing. <laughs> When we make a decision to give God access to our voice, we give, we make a decision to give God access to the core of who we are. And when you give God access to the core of who you are, it doesn't matter if he saves your skin or not. What matters is that your life becomes a just reward for the lamb's suffering. What matters is that my reasonable worship, the, I love that, Paul says, let me talk to you about your reasonable worship. Let me talk to you about your spiritual worship. The only thing that makes sense is not just to present your songs and your money and 15 minutes a day for your Bible plan to the Lord. He says, present your life, your body, as a living sacrifice before the Lord. Do you know why Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego weren't afraid of being put into the fire and sacrificed to a foreign God is because they'd already laid down their life at the altar of the Most High God. And they weren't living anymore. Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. 
and the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. And I love Paul because he says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Where's that in the church? I've never been to anybody's house and saw on their refrigerator, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I've never seen that one. And I'm gonna say some things that might ruffle some feathers, go figure. But there's a lot of talk in the church today about living a long time. But I can tell you, there's people that live long, but they never live full. I'm not so much concerned about a long life as much as I'm concerned about living a full life. And what I wanna live full of is the breath of Almighty God. I'm gonna hit you with a truth bomb. Jesus didn't live 120 years, even though it was promised to him. He lived upper, upper, not lower, upper 30s and did more in three years than people do in three decades. Why? Because it's not about length of life. It's about depth of life. And we live in a culture saturated in self-preservation and in vanity. We live in a culture addicted to themselves. We live in the midst of a decline in the American generation because of decadence and opulence. And the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be seen immediately recognizable as they're not bowing. What's up with them? Why aren't they bowing? You know the story. They get thrown into the fire. Let me tell you, because this is what I believe, and since I'm preaching, I get to tell you what I believe. I don't believe that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked like this into the fire. I believe they walked like this into the fire. Why? Because being afraid is non-negotiable in this life. You will be afraid. But being controlled by fear is totally optional. It doesn't matter if you go in like this or like this, just as long as you go in. All the thing that matters is, will you speak the truth even if your voice shakes? Doesn't have to be a booming declaration. I would actually tell you that the greatest faith actually rests on the shoulders of quiet trust. I think about Daniel going into the lion's den. Similar story, laws change, the king released this edict, this proclamation that prayers have to be offered up to him. And Daniel in the style of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, Rakshak and Benny says, I'll never do that. I'll never do that. And you know the story. He commits to pray. They come and they take him. I don't think that Daniel was whistling Dixie on the way of the lion's den. Are you following me? I, I, I don't think that Daniel was eating a Kit Kat bar on the way to the lion's den. The reason I don't think that is because nobody of the Old Testament patriarchs, any prophet, is greater than Jesus Christ. And I can tell you that in the garden when they were coming to get Jesus, he was speaking the truth, but his voice was shaking. He was sweating blood. I believe that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego aren't any greater than Jesus. And if Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, if there's any other way, let this pass from me. We like that prayer because God's gonna surely send a, a, life, a life raft to us. It's gonna be an Abraham Isaac thing. Yep, just kidding. There's another sacrifice. You don't have to do it. That's what we like. We like that one. But in the same way I told you, let me tell you real faith with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let me tell you real faith with Jesus. Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. 
But this is the key word here that the American church doesn't like so much. This is the key phrase. The reason we don't like it so much is because we think that this is all about us. You know, my seat, right temperature in the room, speaker to my liking, music to the volume level I like, lights the way I want them, my drink being in the coffee shop, because we think this is about us, but it's not. Jesus says, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. And I believe he breathed in some breath. Because by that statement, you can tell he's shaking a little bit. There's times when we have to stand in this life church that there's a breath that we all take. And it's the pause before we make a decision what voice we're going to release. Jesus is being tested in this moment. It's time. Father, if there be any other way possible, let this cup pass from me. What's on the other side of that voice? Is it partnership with the inferior spirit, the unholy spirit to say, it's too much, I can't do it, and to walk away? Or is it the breath that comes into you? Nevertheless, even if you don't. Not my will, but yours be done. The beautiful thing about it is that making a decision to speak that truth doesn't remove the discomfort. But I can tell you this, it sets the foundation for the miracle. Every single time. Because you and I both know that Jesus praying that way didn't exempt him from pain. But I'll tell you what it did. It defeated death. And I can tell you that it, Daniel saying, I'm gonna pray anyway and speaking the truth, even with a shaky voice, didn't save him from the fear and the terror of being thrown into the lion's den, but it did save him from the mouth of the lion. But the other thing it did is it caused a nationwide revival and turning their hearts to the one true God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't get to not experience the fear and the terror. I guarantee you when they opened up that furnace door, how many of you believe that they felt the heat? I guarantee you they did. They weren't spared from the terror, from the nervousness from the shaking legs, from the slow shuffle to maybe putting their hand out. Whoa, that's really hot. (laughs) They weren't spared from all that. But they were spared from the flames. Because of that, out of the mouth of a king comes another voice. Not to worship this false image but that the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is the true and the living God. I don't know if you know this or not, but we need revival in this land. We need God's glory and power to be on full display. And Jesus has this interesting way of wanting to release himself to the world. He needs a body. And for whatever reason, He's picked all of us. Would you have picked you? No, I wouldn't have picked you either. You know why I wouldn't have picked you? Because I wouldn't have picked me. But there's this amazing opportunity that we have as a church in the midst of the culture that we're living in. And I can tell you what it is. It's to speak the truth, even if our voice shakes. It's to take the hard stands in private. It's to live a life empowered by the grace of God that says the God that we serve is able to spare us from this. But even if he doesn't, I'm still gonna worship anyway. Even if it doesn't, this voice that's coming out of me is not going to change. It might soften and it might shake, but the message is not gonna change. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Things that are immoral are still immoral. Who God is is still superior to whoever's in elected office. 
Those things don't change. What I feel as the church in America in this hour, we have an opportunity to do is to take a deep breath and to make a decision in regards to what we're gonna release. We're about to go into a sanctified week as a people to, in unity, release a unified thanksgiving to the Lord. In unity, and corporately receive from the spirit of the living God what he has for us in this next season. And I believe that there's many people in the room that in small ways and some of you in big ways need to make a decision on what you're going to release before we get into next week. There's areas that you feel backed in the corner about. There's stands that you've had to make in your business. There's risks that God's leading you to in transition and stepping out into a new thing. Your marriage is in a state of disrepair at the moment. Your kids are going haywire. Pressure's coming. The enemy's whispering lie after lie. What benefit is it to serve God? The wicked are more prosperous than you are. People that don't follow his ordinance are succeeding at a pace that you're not. And you've got a decision to make before we get into Jubilee. What are you going to bow to? What are you going to do with your voice? So, in a prophetic act tonight, I want to do something. I want the band to come back up. And as a people tonight, we're all going to take a breath. Everybody take a breath. And we're going to choose, as brothers and sisters in the room tonight to look in the face of the lion that's before us. Look in the face of the betrayer that's coming to us in the garden. Look in the face of a golden idol that's putting pressure on us. And as we sing this song, we're saying individually and as a people, what we're going to bow to. And I believe that there's lines in the sand being drawn tonight. I believe that this is a special moment for us as a campus. So much that Gavin even spoke prophetically before the service. God's been dealing with me about all day. If we're going to allow the voice of fear to push us into a place of compromising in an area because of embarrassment, because of shame, because of just being tired. It's okay to be tired. It's okay to be fearful. It's just not okay to let those things control you. I believe that in doing this, the same way that Jesus didn't stay dead, the same way that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't burn up, and the same way that Daniel didn't get devoured by the lions, we're living in a new covenant because of the spilled blood of Jesus with greater promises, greater provisions, and greater power. And I believe that the most powerful miracles that we'll see as a body and individually come right on the other side of even if you don't, I still won't bow. Because Jesus, even on my worst day, you're still worthy of praise. Father, even in the midst of my most tempting moment, I make a choice to stand for you. Even if my knees are knocking and my arms are shaking and I don't know how much longer I can do this, Jesus, I'm making a decision tonight to give it all to you, to draw a line in the sand, to set my feet on firm foundation, to declare something that I'm not gonna be controlled by fear no matter what comes my way, that I'm in on this thing. I feel like there's a battle cry. I feel like there's a warring in the spirit that many of you are facing. And I think tonight, you need to release your best praise. I think tonight, you need to take a breath and you need to make a decision to sing even if your voice shakes. You might be in the middle of the most crippling anxiety you've ever experienced in your life. You might be in the middle of a nervous breakdown you might have just got a converse, you might have just had a conversation with your spouse today that they're done, it's over, they're leaving. 
You might have just got a diagnosis. You might have just received news that you're getting laid off at work. You might have just experienced betrayal in a friendship or from a close family member. This is the moment when you take a breath and you choose to release truth and to not partner with a lie. As you feel led all over the room, I want you to stand. As you feel led. This is an individual thing. If you know, tonight's tonight. I gotta draw a line in the sand. I gotta sing, even if my voice shakes. I gotta partner with truth in this moment. I've gotta make a decision to not bow my knee to what's in front of me. Jesus, empower us by your spirit tonight. Grow us in grace. Help us to be a people that are firmly established, ready, Father, no matter what, in season and out of season. Not lulled to sleep by the lies of the culture, by the distractedness of American living, by being addicted to ourselves and constantly in a place of indulgence. But Father, shake us to our core tonight. As a people, Father, we believe that we're on mission. Father, we believe that this is a battleship, not a cruise ship. Father, we believe that there's work to be done in the earth. We believe that there's lost people in this city that need saving. We believe there's sick people that need healing. We believe that there's devils that need binding. Father, and we commit ourselves tonight to be a people that no longer pray for safety, but that pray to be more dangerous than our enemies. In Jesus' name, Father, deliver us and move us into a place of boldness, I pray. In Jesus' name. I want somebody to give some praise to Jesus tonight. We love you, Lord. Somebody say, he's able. But even if, I will praise him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's going to be a good jubilee. It's going to be awesome. Ministry teams, why don't you come? If you're here tonight and you need somebody to stand in agreement with you in faith, you need to be ministered to through the gifts of the Holy Spirit and operation through these ministers tonight. I want to partner with you. We want to believe with you. We want to prophesy over you. We want to encourage you. We want to speak things of truth over you, even if our voices shake. Amen. Amen. Love you guys so much. Have a great rest of your night. Don't forget your kids. Praise God. Get them and take them home.